Good morning, Citygate Church and all of our online guests. Here we are in week number six of this fantastic series that we're finding out so much from Acts chapter two on the glorious church of Jesus Christ. And to begin with, I'd like us to turn back to our core passage, which we find in Acts chapter two. And we're just gonna read just four verses from verse uh, uh, 42 down to verse 46. And it says this, and they continued steadfastly. They continued continuing in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed came together. They had all things in common and they sold their possessions and their goods. They divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing every day with one accord in the temple and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and with simplicity of heart. They praised God and God gave them favor with all the people. That is an incredible passage. That's the birth of the church. This is when it all kicked off. This is the day of Pentecost. This is Acts chapter 2. 3,000 people got saved and baptized that day. But today I want to speak to us about something which is absolutely a core belief in my life. It's something that I've... Um, I've been speak, uh, speaking about now for, for probably 30 years, and that is this. We have a covenant of peace. Today, I want to talk about the bread and the wine, and I want you to prepare to have the bread and the wine at home, whether you're on your own or with your family or with your kids. I want you to get hold of the elements. If you've got bread and wine, that will be fantastic. If not, then, you know, grab some, you know, something that can give you the opportunity to take part today. So our covenant of peace... Um, these people continued every day. They continued all the time. This was a lifestyle in these four areas. They heard the word of God. Each person was a part of what was going on in the local church. They all spent time in prayer and they had the bread and the wine. Now, in God's word, there's only actually two things that were specifically instructed by Jesus Christ. Now, that depends on your theology. I know, you know, some parts of the church have got four, five, six, seven of them. But, but I believe from God's word, there are only two things that are specifically instructed by Jesus Christ as things the church is to do. The first one is baptism. And that happens on the day hopefully, you know, scripturally, on the day you give your life to Jesus Christ or as soon after as you can. Over here, we got a baptism tank under the platform here and we love to baptize people because it's such a powerful, powerful thing. It absolutely says my old life has gone and my new life has come and I identify as a born again believer with Jesus Christ as my Lord and almighty God as my heavenly father. So that's the first thing. But the second thing is that he said this, he said, have the bread and the wine as often as you can and every time you have it, I want you to remember something, to remember me. These are, are spoken words by Jesus Christ. In fact, if I, if I could encourage you right now to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and we're going to find a powerful passage which really explains this. And as we go through this today, I want you to prepare your faith and to prepare your heart for God to confirm his word in your life and in your circumstances. Every time we take the bread and the wine, I believe God wants to do something. 
This is not just a religious form that we just sometimes do in small groups or on a Sunday or at home. It's something really powerful. In fact, I believe it's probably the most powerful thing that a believer or a congregation can be involved in, and that is to receive the bread and the wine as instructed by Jesus Christ himself. So here we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and just to read from verse 23, it says this, for I received, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I received from the Lord that which I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread, and after he'd given thanks, he broke the bread, and he said, and this is to the 11 disciples around the table. He said, I want you to take this, eat it. This is my body that is broken for you. And he said to do this in remembrance of me. Then in verse 25, he also took the cup in the same way after the supper. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I want you to do this, and as often as you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink the wine, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I think all of us would agree that the most powerful thing that has ever happened, the most significant thing that has ever happened is the death of Jesus Christ and the fact that three days later he was raised from the dead with all authority and with all power. He overcame the grave. He took the keys of death, hell and the grave. He brought light, life and immortality to light. He absolutely conquered death and he did it to set people free. And he did that through the bread and the wine. He did that through him being hung on the cross, scourges on his back, the thorns in his head, spear in his side, his beard was pulled out, he was absolutely uh, destroyed as a physical body. But he shed his spotless, incredibly powerful blood. The Bible says we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb, amongst other things. The Bible says we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we have faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood is absolutely central to who we are as, as sons of God and who he is as our Lord and Savior and who the Heavenly Father is as the creator of all things. You know what? The blood is absolutely central. So as we take this today, something is going to happen. Something powerful is going to be done in our lives. Either God's just going to speak or perhaps there's even healing right now today for your body. Perhaps there's something that God wants to do to break through in your circumstances. I believe in a God of power. I believe in a God of, of authority. I believe in a God for whom all things are possible. And he says, as we take the bread and the wine, something powerful is going to take place. I believe that as we take the bread and the wine, I believe that God actually gets right in the middle of the meal. God gets right in the middle of the meal. In God's word, we know that it says, it says things like this, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am right in the middle of you. As we gather together today, here on a Sunday, here in person, here online at the moment, if that's all you're able to do, but especially as we come together to take the bread and the wine, I believe God's going to be right in the middle of this. His anointing, his power, his spirit, his presence is going to be right in the middle for him to fulfill his word 
in our lives. And the first thing to understand is this, that as we take the bread and the wine together, it really speaks of the fact that we are a body, that we are a family, that we are doing this together. This is really important. Elsewhere in the Bible, and I'm going to come back to it um, in about point number three today, and that is this, that we are to discern the body, that each of us are to understand that we are part of the body of Christ. And as we take the bread and the wine, we're doing this together, whether you're online now or whether you're able to be here in person, we are taking this together as a family, just as on that incredible evening when Jesus, he actually took the bread and he broke the bread and he shared it out to his disciples. It was as if they were partaking of something together. And I want to encourage you to, you know, today, you are not on your own. Perhaps you feel alone. Perhaps you feel like there isn't anybody else who's going through what you're going through. I want to promise you this. If you've said yes to Jesus Christ, as I preached last Sunday, we are together in a partnership. We are standing together. We are fighting together. We are praying together. We are exalting the Lord Jesus Christ together. We are prophesying together. We're standing by faith together. We're moving mountains together. We're advancing together as the body of Jesus Christ. And God wants you to know to today, you are not alone. You are part of a family, you're part of a body, an army, a bride, and a temple. You are together with me, with the rest of the body of Christ around the world. We are together as the family of Jesus Christ. There's something very powerful happens when you do eat together. I don't know about you, but at home we, we try, we don't often succeed, but we try to eat our dinner together as a family. There's something that happens and we say, come on, phones away and come on, let's really focus, turn the TV off or put it on pause, even if you're halfway through a film. Come on, pause it and we're going to do our food together. Why? Because we're family. It's not that I have my dinner in my room and Sharon has hers in the bedroom and the kids have theirs out the back or in the playroom or wherever they are. No, come on, we gather together to eat together because we are family and because we are one. And I know it goes on in Acts chapter 2 and it actually says they ate together with gladness. They ate their food together with gladness and simplicity of heart. There's something in so many cultures about, you know, um, to invite a person around for dinner. It, you know, it isn't the same as just coming around for coffee. When you say, come on, let's eat together, you're really saying, come on, I'm opening my heart to you. I'm opening my family to you. I'm opening my home to you. I'm opening this up into a relationship that's more than just, you know, having a coffee up the road in some coffee shop or, or just over a conversation on a phone. Come on, let's eat together. Something happens. Something heart to heart takes place when we eat together. Now, of course, that could be any meal. But this is a very powerful meal. This is a very spiritual meal. This is something where God gets in the middle of it and where we eat together the bread and the wine and we're saying that we're doing this in the name of Jesus Christ and we remember Jesus. You know what? That is such a powerful thing. Something happens heart to heart. Something is established. Something is strengthened heart to heart. The early church was known for gathering together to hear the teaching, to pray and to, you know, to eat together, but they were also known for gathering together to have the bread and the wine. Now, I've been asked so many times, how often are we supposed to do this? Um, well, how often did they listen to teaching? The Bible's clear. It says it was every day they were hearing teaching. The Apostle Paul taught every day in Ephesus. They taught every day. This was really important. How often do you think they prayed? 
Well, I think they prayed every day. Uh, and I think a healthy Christian life is to pray every day and not just have a time of prayer, but we pray all the time. We're always thinking of God. We're always saying, thank you, Jesus, when something goes on. On the way here today to film this, after something you know, happened, I said, thank you, Jesus. You know what? We're always open to the fact that God, you know, he's always speaking into our lives. He's always doing things. And it's, it's really important that we pray without ceasing. So if they heard the teaching every day, if they prayed every day, if they had fellowship, we know it's very clear, every day, they met every day, house to house in the temple courts, then how come we often say, you know, every month let's do this, or, or perhaps, you know, every six months? No, I'm not saying we should do this every day, but I do believe that we need to see this for the important event that it is and hopefully today as we get hold of this something is going to click into gear in your life because you know what as we take the bread and the wine together whether you're on your own at home or here we are part of the body of Christ we're standing together we're fighting together and you know what God wants that to be a regular occurrence it's important, I believe, that we close ranks as the body of Christ. The enemy would like nothing more than to divide the body of Christ. But there are some things that can be done to say, you know what, we are together. And something that I believe is at the very top of the list is to take the bread and the wine together. As we take the bread and the wine, you know what? You can't be gossiping about somebody else in the body of Christ when you take the bread and the wine. You can't be criticizing somebody else. You can't be in some sort of, uh, I don't know, the finger pointing situation. You, you can't take the bread and the wine and keep unforgiveness active in your life when someone's done you a wrong. We're in... You know, such a society right now of unforgiveness. Everybody wants to throw stones. Everybody wants to find fault with what somebody else was doing, even if they did it from a good heart. The fact they said the wrong thing or they did the wrong thing is unacceptable. Well, I'm sorry, that is not the standard of the body of Christ. The body of Christ is this. I forgive just as God forgave me, so I forgive other people. And as we take the bread and the wine today, something is going to happen to cement us together, the body of Christ together. As we take the bread and the wine, we're putting our foot on the neck of the enemy of division. As we take the bread and the wine, we're putting our foot on the neck of competition. I want to lift other people up for me to achieve what God has called me to do, because as I invest in other people, so God's going to invest in me. And you know what? As we take the bread and the wine together today, we are closing ranks. We are standing together. Come on, let's not be divisive. Let's discern the body of Christ. That's something that we're told to do. Let's discern the family of God. Let's not throw stones at the bride's dress today. Come on, let's, let's really glorify, you know, the whole thing of the bride of Christ today as we stand together, as we forgive each other, and as we say, we are one. I don't care what denomination you're part of. If you declare Jesus Christ is your Lord, we're one together. We're going to spend eternity together. It doesn't matter what sort of doctrine you've got, as long as it's core belief that Jesus is Lord, he was born of the virgin, he died on the cross, and he was raised from the dead. Come on, I do not believe that God wants his church to be divided over some little bits of teaching when we are one together in the name of Jesus Christ. And of course, I've got very strong convictions about my own doctrine, but I will never let it divide me from another believer or from another church or for another part of the body of Christ. So come on, together, 
today is the most powerful place to be in. Together is a place of healing. Together is a place of authority. Together is a place of power. What's the second thing today that's important for us to understand? Well, obviously, as we take the meal together today, we have the blood of Jesus Christ, which is now signified here with the wine, but it really speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ, the spotless blood of Jesus Christ, the powerful blood of Jesus Christ. You know what? The devil hates us to thank God and to be full of faith around the blood of Jesus Christ because the blood is the victory. The blood is what overcame every plan of the enemy. The Lord Jesus said this. He said, I want you to take this because this is the blood of the new covenant. The blood of Jesus has provided a brand new covenant which has made the old covenant obsolete and the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ is a far, far greater covenant in every way. The old covenant, the blood used to cover sin for a year. The blood of Jesus Christ absolutely annihilates sin and completely removes it out of the way. The blood of the bulls and goats used to just bring forgiveness. The blood of Jesus brings remission. In the Old Testament, the blood was conditional. In the new covenant, the blood is unconditional. The work has been done. We just need to connect with what has happened. The blood of Jesus Christ shed once and for all. The power of the blood. This is a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. So we need to understand what that word covenant means. It means a contract. Very simply today, it means something that is agreed that you say, my integrity says, I am never going to break my word. Thank God we have a God who understands covenant. When he says something, he's going to do it. When he says, I'll set you free, you can absolutely guarantee. Why? Because he's a God of covenant that he will set you free. When he says, lay hands on the sick and they're going to recover, I'm going to be really bold today, that has been said in the context of a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. You can absolutely guarantee that God will do his part. God is a covenant-keeping almighty God. This so impacted Abram in the Old Testament, and that was really the start of the new covenant. Uh, again, I don't want to get too deep here today, but when the high priest came out, to Abram, it says he brought out the bread and the wine. He was the priest of God most high, and we're told in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, that he was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some people think he was a pre-incarnate. Lord Jesus Christ came and spoke to Abram that day. However your theology goes, it was a really important event. And it says he came out with the bread and the wine, and he declared Abram to be Abram of God, a son of God. He declared Abram not just Almighty God, he, he declared Abram now to be possessor of heaven and earth. Abram entered into a covenant with the possessor of heaven and earth. I could say this, he became a co-heir with the one who is the possessor of heaven and earth. And this so impacted Abram's life as he had the bread and the wine. The first thing he did, he gave a tithe. And then you know what he said? 
I've raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, that no man is going to make Abram rich. God is now my source of supply. And I don't just mean that financially. You know what? When you come into a covenant relationship with Almighty God, and we're going to do that today, we're going to remind ourselves, we're going to remind our circumstances, we're going to remind the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to remind the Holy Ghost, and we're going to remind Almighty God the Father that we are covenant partners in the blood of Jesus Christ. That I've raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, that Jesus Christ is my provider. He he is the one who provides eternal life. He's the one who provides forgiveness. He's the one who provides healing. He's the one who provides abundance. He's the one who provides great grace upon my life. He is the greatest source of supply. The Bible talks about a flood of life coming from Jesus Christ into our lives as the Spirit of God lives in us. I'm going to try and keep myself calm today because this is so stirring me that we have a covenant with Almighty God. It says in Exodus chapter 32, I think it is, where the elders go up the mountaintop and they meet with God. The Bible says they see God. And you know the first thing they did? The Bible says they ate and they drank. They didn't just take a packed lunch up the mountain with them for a day out. They saw God in his glory. And the first thing they thought of was, come on, we have a covenant-keeping God, so we're going to have a covenant meal with God. Now, I'm aware the Bible doesn't say that they ate the bread and the wine, but if I know anything about God and what these people understood, they would go to the bread and the wine when they needed a breakthrough. They would establish it, they would declare it, they would eat together, just like they did in Acts chapter 2. There was an understanding, you know what, if God's glory is here, let's have the bread and the wine. If I need healing, let's have the bread and the wine. If I need a breakthrough, let's have the bread and the wine. If we need to put our foot on the neck of every enemy, let's have the bread and the wine. If God is revealing his glory, let's have the bread and the wine. Come on, let's put ourselves in the most powerful place that a human being can put their, themselves in, and that is to have a covenant meal with Almighty God. And this first thing is the wine. It's the wine. Why? Because the wine speaks of the blood of Jesus Christ. This speaks of, this, this is an example of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which brings us into a covenant partnership with the Creator of heaven and earth. In Isaiah 54, and I'm going to turn there actually, I wasn't going to, but I just really feel to, to turn there. Isaiah 54, um, from verse 9, For this is like the flood of Noah to me, says the Lord, for as I have sworn, as I have promised, as I have declared in a covenant that I will no longer flood the earth. So I have sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. And the hills are going to be removed, but my covenant kindness, that's a, that's a Hebrew word there. It didn't just say, um, you know, say there, I'm just being kind, I'm just being nice. This is saying my covenant partnership shall not depart from you nor shall my covenant of shalom, that's the word that we understand as peace, 
but my covenant of shalom will not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I mean, this is incredible. It's saying, you know what? Just like the flood of Noah was a once and for all event, I will never do that again. So now I'm going to declare to you, and I want to declare this to you today, whoever you are online, that God has got a covenant of shalom for your life, which he has promised he will never take away. That word shalom is an incredible word. It means this, it means rest, it means the goodness of God, it means security, it means safety, it means to have a good journey, it means health and healing, it means prosperity financially and abundance, and it means wholeness in every area of life. When God says, I will give you wholeness, he's talking about in your spirit, in your mind, in your will, your emotions, it means financially, it means physically, means in your family, in your circumstances. It means wholeness into every part of your life. In fact, one person has explained it like this, that God's wholeness means nothing missing, nothing broken in your life or circumstances. Isaiah 9 says Jesus Christ is the prince of shalom and of the increase of that shalom, that healing, that wholeness, there will be no end. The Bible says in the book of Haggai, where it's talking about the, the, the um, greater glory in the temple of God, which absolutely was the physical temple, but I also believe that's the church of Jesus Christ. He says, and in this place of greater glory, I will give the fullness of shalom, the wholeness of God. And in that verse, he also says, the gold is mine and the silver is mine. And in this place, I'll give wholeness, no lack. It says, it says, the kingdom of God is all righteousness, shalom, wholeness, and joy in the Holy Spirit. It says in the fourth chapter of Mark, when Jesus stood on the bow of the boat, and he spoke to the wind and the waves, and the ship was about to sink, and people were going to die. And he said, Shalom. And he changed the weather in an instant. Why? Because he released wholeness into that circumstance. Mark chapter 5, there's the lady with the issue of blood. She comes, her faith heals her, and he stops in his tracks. The Lord Jesus stops in his tracks, he turns around and says, someone touch me. They said, everybody's touching you. We're in a crowd here. There's pressure here. He said, no, somebody touched me by faith. And then up she comes. She's really nervous because she's been an outcast for 12 years. She had spent everything she had trying to get well, but she had only got worse. For her to even be out in public means that you know, she could have been stoned to death and the one who had the authority to do, it, to do it was standing right there with Jesus. So she comes up, she's really nervous, thinking, am I in trouble now? What's going to go on? And Jesus said, your faith has healed your physical body. But then he went one step further. He said, now I'm going to give you wholeness in every area of your life. Go in shalom, go in peace and be made whole in everything every part of your life. This is the covenant of peace that God has, has on offer for us today as we take the bread and the wine to remember this covenant of incredible peace. I love this verse. The God of Shalom will soon crush Satan under your feet. Those you know, perhaps two words, the, you know, the destruction of Satan and the God of peace. 
perhaps don't really go together unless you understand what the God of peace is all about. It's the God of wholeness. As we take the wine today, as we remember the blood of the covenant of Shalom, there is something so powerful in this. It's not just a, oh, thank you, Jesus, that I'm a Christian. It's a, come on, let's do some crushing of the works of the enemy under our feet today. As you take the wine today, you can crush unforgiveness out of your life. You can crush depression out of your life. You can crush um, you know, a history of abuse out of your life today and the consequences of that. You can crush every scheming, deceiving, stealing, killing, destroying plan of the devil. You can crush it underfoot today because as we take the wine, we're going to be saying, I have a covenant in the blood of Jesus. It's a new covenant and it's a covenant of wholeness. The third part here today is the bread which speaks of the broken flesh of Jesus Christ on the cross. As I think about the broken body of Jesus, um, to me it speaks of one thing over and above everything else, and that is physical healing. Um, God has always been committed to healing his people and anybody. He's always been committed to providing for people. But there's something about physical healing that you find in the Gospels was like a trademark of the life of Jesus. People came to hear him and to be healed. That's what they came for. The Bible's really clear. He also cast out evil spirits, but he brought wholeness into people's lives physically, time and time again. Psalm 105 and verse 37 says this, An almighty God brought forth the children of Israel with silver and gold, and there was not one feeble person among them. This is after 400 years of slavery, feeling the whip of the Egyptians at that time on their back and their cry of desperation. And God heard their cry and brought them out. And they would have been in a, a decrepit and crippled and downtrodden state, emotionally, physically, in every way. But something happened on the night when God set the nation free. You know what they did? They had the bread and the wine. That's what they did. They had the Passover meal, they had the bread and the wine, and something happened. They'd put the blood on the doorposts, they'd put the blood on the houses, they'd killed the lamb, that spotless lamb that they had, and they'd eaten the lamb, but they had the bread and the wine in their house. God moved across the whole nation that night, and as they came out of their houses, there wasn't one sick or feeble person among them. As we take the bread and the wine today, I know I'm being strong here, but you know what? There's faith for miracles right now. And as we take the bread and the wine, God wants to move in power like he did with the nation of Israel on that incredible night when he set the nation free. You know what the Bible says? He who's the sun sets free is free indeed. And we're not trying to get hold of something here today. We're saying thank you God for the broken body of Jesus Christ, which is my healing. If we want to go back to one of the most powerful passages in the Bible, and it's this Isaiah 53, which is the most incredible prophetic word over uh, about the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. Listen to this, verses four and five. For surely he has borne our griefs, which is the Hebrew word there, which means 
sicknesses. Why they translate it as grief, I've no idea. But it is in its purest state, it is physical sickness. And he's carried our sorrows, our pains, our woes. Yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was bruised for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our shalom. Can you see that there? Our shalom, our peace, our wholeness. This is in the context of the cross. Everybody would agree this is a direct word about Jesus on the cross. The chastisement of our shalom was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. The greatest prophetic word about the Lord Jesus on the cross and it's in this part of the chapter it centers in on physical healing. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our diseases. On the cross, the stripes on his back by his wounds, by the stripes, by those scourge marks, the plowed field of the back of Jesus Christ is our healing. Now, some people would say, oh, Pastor Jay, it doesn't mean physical healing. It just means being healed spiritually. Well, Okay, let's allow the Bible to make its own point, shall we? Turn to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. And just so you know, I'm reading it right out the Bible here. Um, I'm going to turn to it in my book here, the greatest book ever written. Here it is, Matthew 8 verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to Jesus many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Now that's what the Bible says. And healed all who were sick. Next verse. That the scripture might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our diseases and sicknesses and physical ailments. That is it, that exact same passage that I just read from Isaiah 53. And here, it's clear, Almighty God is making it really clear for us, really straight, that when Jesus healed everybody, he fulfilled that scripture. So the laws of scriptural interpretation have to say that for that scripture to be fulfilled, people need to be physically healed. I'm sure it can be applied to so many things. But it has to be applied first and foremost to the very thing that Jesus himself has put in his own book. That the stripes of Jesus back that says, by his wounds we were healed. We are healed in the Old Testament. And then when it's quoted in 1 Peter chapter 2, by his wounds you were healed. It's saying past tense. Isaiah was thinking ahead to the cross but thank God, we've got a new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't try to get healed, we were healed. We can look back to the broken body of Jesus Christ and the shed blood of Jesus Christ and say, thank you, Jesus, I was healed and I receive it today in my physical body. There's so many more things I would like to say. The blood sets us free. The blood is our victory and the bread is our physical healing. 
The Bible's really clear that we have a responsibility on this. When we come together, and I'm going to go back to that 1 Corinthians chapter 11 passage, it says, therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy way will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let each man examine himself and then let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats or drinks in the wrong way, let's put it that way, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick and many people, here it says they fall asleep, which means they die early. That's quite a strong way to finish today and I'm not quite finished, but it's saying if we get this wrong, then you're not going to see healing in your life. You're not going to see the strength of God in your life. In fact, it's going to have an adverse effect. Why? Because if you're pointing the finger at people and you're not forgiving people and you're throwing stones at people and perhaps you're on Facebook and you're putting all those nasty posts out there and condemning what somebody else has done or, or perhaps you're, you're arguing, arguing with people all the time, you're putting people down. You know what? If we live a lifestyle like that and then we go, oh, thank you, Lord, for the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. You know what? We're being a little bit hypocritical there. That's a bit of an understatement. You know what? We've got to discern the body and the blood of Jesus Christ, but we've got to discern the church and the partnership that we have with one another. Come on, let's be people who build other people up. One of the greatest examples of what happens spiritually when the bread and the wine is, is, um, is sh uh, shared, you find in the Gospels. And again, this is a bit of a tough one to be closing on, but I want you to see the power, the spiritual power there is in this. Obviously, I've been to the passage where he takes the bread and the wine at the Last Supper, but just before the Last Supper, something else happens. Jesus also takes bread and wine, but it's before that incredible supper. It's the same evening, but it's before the meal. He takes the bread and the wine, and he takes the bread, he dips it in the wine, and he gives it to Judas. And the Bible is really clear. You can find this in Matthew and also in John. You find this. As he took the bread and the wine as the has the Lord handed it to Judas as he received it from Jesus and he took the bread and the wine from Jesus. The Bible says Satan entered Judas. Man, that's really heavy. You see, you can't take the bread and the wine and something supernatural not happen. It's either going to happen in a bad way, but today here, come on, the anointing of God is in this place to destroy every yoke and to remove every burden. This is the most powerful thing that a Christian can do. And I'm going to believe God right now that as we receive the bread and the wine, perhaps you say to me, Pastor Jay, I haven't got bread and wine. Well, I'm going to encourage you to get anything you can right now. Now, after saying that, I would say this, there is actually something important about doing everything you can to be prepared with bread and wine. I know we can cheapen everything today and just say, let's have Coke and donuts. And there are times I've done that. And that's not a problem. If that's all I've got and I need to express my faith before God, then I will do that and God will honor that. But you know what I think? Come on, just like we continue continuing in prayer and in teaching and in fellowship, let's stir something up on the inside and say, you know what? I'm going to make this bread and wine event something so powerful in my life. I'm going to focus my faith on it. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Absolutely put this at the forefront of your thinking and believe God for his absolute best to invade every part 
of your life. It's been a bit of a strong one today, but you know what? God is in the middle of this meal. So I'm going to encourage you right now to take hold of your bread and um, I'm going to ask you to hold your bread right now and let's pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the broken flesh of Jesus Christ. Lord, as we set our minds on things above, as we put ourselves in remembrance of Jesus and what he did, Father, we thank you that this bread here speaks of healing in our physical bodies. It speaks of wholeness, the shalom of God coming into us physically right now. So in Jesus' name, Lord God, as we receive this, we release our faith. And Lord, just in the same way that you did with the nation of Israel, as you set them free from Egypt, Lord God, we receive our freedom today. Lord, your word is clear. We're already free, but we receive it by faith. We lay hold of healing. We lay hold of physical healing. God, I take authority right now over every sickness, every disease, every infirmity. Lord, that's trying to invade the temple of the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, whether that's, Lord, um, a disease that the it says in the world that is incurable. We declare by the stripes of Jesus, Lord, cancer's healed. Lord, disorders healed. Inner organs functioning properly in Jesus' name. Lord, I take authority over migraines. Lord, and Lord, infections of any kind in Jesus' name, we declare by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. And we thank you, God, that you provided healing for your people. You are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. And I declare it in Jesus' name. I receive it from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And everybody said, Amen. Why don't you take the bread with me right now? Come on, release your faith and receive your healing. I'm going to ask you to take the wine right now. This is our victory. This is the blood of Jesus Christ, the most precious, precious thing. The spotless Lamb of God shed His blood blood for the remission of sin and to establish the shalom of God in every part of our lives. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that you have said you will never remove your covenant of shalom from our lives. And we receive it right now, spirit, soul, body, finances, socially, in every part of our life. We receive the shalom, the incredible wholeness of God. I declare it over each of our lives. Nothing missing, nothing in any way broken. Father God, we thank you right now for your anointing, which will destroy every yoke and remove every burden. We thank you firstly, Lord God, for the remission of sin. Lord, your word says if we sin, we confess our sins and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. I receive cleansing today in Jesus' name. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for the blood which, Lord, cleanses our conscience from dead works. We thank you for your blood which brings authority and uh, freedom into every part of our lives right now. We crush every work of the enemy under our feet. 
How? Through the blood of shalom, the blood of the covenant of peace. And Father God, as we drink this today, we thank you for the incredible plan of salvation to bring abundant life, to bring the new birth, to bring eternal life, the Zoe life of God into our lives today. And as we drink this cup right now, Father, we remember the shed blood of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us. Thank you, Jesus, for shedding your blood to set captives free. And we receive it today in Jesus' name. Let's drink together, shall we? Wow, I want to jump and shout right now. I feel quite drained physically. I, I don't know, the presence of God. I think God is just doing something so incredibly powerful right now. I'm going to encourage you to stand on that which you've just received and fight for it. Perhaps you want to take this again tomorrow. Come on, don't wait. Let's continue continuing in the breaking of bread as the body of Christ, remembering the death of Jesus Christ. But friend, today, perhaps you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Perhaps you've heard this today and thought, wow, I, I didn't think there was so much involved. You know what? At the very heart of a covenant is the fact that two people are put together in an agreement, whether it's to buy a house or to exchange contracts on something. It's two partnerships, you know, two people, two companies are put together. And the heart of God is that almighty God and you and I become one that you give your life to Almighty God and you say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. I receive forgiveness. I receive your life. I want to be a Christian. Friend, perhaps you've never prayed a prayer that invites Jesus Christ into your life and declares him to be your Lord and Savior. I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Come on, why don't you pray this out loud with me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you've demonstrated your love by sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to give me life. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for establishing a new covenant. I receive you now as my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. Turn away from the way I've lived apart from you. And by the help of your grace and your power, I will never be the same again. I receive eternal life. I've raised my hand to the Lord God Most High. That Almighty God is now my provider in every area of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you've prayed that prayer, God's done a work in your heart. You've been born again. You're now in the family of God. Expect God's best every day. God bless you. I'll see you next week.